millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Generally, you think what you hear on the radio is terrible. Hello, all you beautiful people. I'm Jared, and I'm the host with the most of That Random Podcast. Have you ever wondered what nurses do when they aren't saving lives, or what DJs do when they aren't spinning decks? Each week, me and a guest, and along with you, the listener, will dissect and look deep into these types of topics. It's heartfelt, funny, and filled with OMG moments. But I won't tell you any. You'll have to come and listen for yourself. Buckle in, and let's get into it. Before we start this week's episode, I would just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, past and present, on which this podcast has been recorded. This is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. This week, I am joined by a special guest that is actually my friend's mother, a mother to me, Belinda. Hi, Jerry. Hi, how are you, Belinda? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm great. A little bit. Got the giggles. Yeah, that'll happen. <clears throat> Belinda, you are an important person in your industry. Do you want to give us a rundown of your roles, tasks, jobs, what your gig is? Well, sure. Firstly, I would say I think everyone in my industry is an important person. It takes a team to make things happen. So I do sit in leadership roles, but I don't consider myself any more important than the people who are working in more junior roles. Having said that, I think um, my career has been very diverse. So I work in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Affairs, have done for a number of years now. That's my passion. I'm a Darug woman, which is the country that sits around the Blue Mountains and into the Sydney Basin. And my clan group is the Bulbarongal people. So that is a particular passion of mine. Um, and so I've, so I've always tried to work in that space. I work in that space because it's, it brings me joy. It's hard work, but it brings me joy. My career, very varied. So I've worked in sandwich shops, I've worked in hot dog vans, I've worked in sewing factories, I've been a teacher, I've been an office administrator, I've uh, worked for government in a number of different roles, varying degrees of importance, I guess you would say, from that lens. Um, but my last sort of 10 years has been in not-for-profit organisations that support Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Up until March this year, where I've actually taken a role of reconciliation manager at a non-Indigenous organisation, the Australian Medical Council. So yes, you said you were, uh, everyone in your team is important in your eyes, but it takes a leader to help everyone recognise that they are important. And I think in a lot of eyes of the people that have met you, you live up to them standards. So give us a rundown on how to rather lead instead of being the boss. Well, I think the first thing about that is acknowledging that as you go through your career, you're going to be gaining skills and losing skills. So when I started my career in government, I was 
really good at planning and organising meetings and sending out invites and doing all that stuff. I'm terrible at it now. I rely on other people to do that for me. So I think with that example, what I'm trying to say is there are every every role has a skill set that's quite unique and you have to acknowledge the skills that you don't have. So leadership is about, to me, in any way anyway, leadership is about going forward as a collective and acknowledging the, all the work that goes into achieving a goal. So it's about placing the right value on people's roles. So with like being a leader and helping everyone recognise their like true potentials, that knowledge has to come from somewhere. It's a rare thing for someone to be like, I'm just going to jump into that and be a natural leader, which I'm not saying you're not a natural leader, but you obviously would have had to pick up traits from other jobs. Do you want to tell us about some of them? Yeah, look, I, I don't know that I think there is such thing as a natural leader. I think everyone learns it. I think it's more the lens. So there's, there's definitely two different types of ways of getting things done in my mind. So the, you've got management and then you've got leadership. So managers definitely get the job done, but leaders get the job done and foster new leadership. So they enable, encourage and let people make mistakes. If I was to say one thing that's taught me the most is the things that went terribly wrong. So I've had really bad experiences with people who were managing me. They weren't leaders and they, they, they treat their staff like commodities rather than people. And my experience is, yeah, I'm quite reflective, I guess, as a person. So I always looked at that and going up and thinking, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to be a person that acknowledges every effort because every effort leads to more effort if people know that it's being noticed. Yeah, I think definitely with them, like some of the managers that I've had, I've seen them deal with situations and I've just been like, that's wild what you just did. Like you really should have went about that a different way, which is why I'm so adamant about trying to like, if I'm in a workplace, trying to get up as high as I can to like break the traditional thing of like, I'm the boss, you do what I say. And I think to an extent there has to be that sometimes. Like when you've got really tight deadlines and things like that, you have to be, I guess, a little bit autocratic. But my method of doing that has always been based on the fact that I've been really flexible and encouraging most of the time. So when I get to that point, people are more willing to support me. It's not always the case. So not everyone that you're leading wants to be led. And certainly I I, I avoid taking management roles. So I avoid having staff. And that's mostly because I find I'm more effective at leading people towards change if they don't feel beholden or responsible to me. So I'm able to, to achieve more things by working with people than having them work for me. So this is a, I guess, I, I look at it through my own culture, so through my connections to the people in my community and understanding that, so Aboriginal society is a collective society. So we don't have this traditional sort of model of someone at the front pointing the way. We kind of sit down together and decide what is the best way forward. And, and my experience of that has taught me that if you do that, more people come. Um, certainly some other people in the management space find that challenging, but I've also learnt that I don't care about that. I just want to add in a bit um, why we've been recording this. We've been taking many a tea breaks where we've been sipping on our cups of tea, and I think that's really funny. Along with Belinda, I guess, we also have a special someone behind the scenes. I call her my sound guy. <laughs> this is my friend Tia. Tia, say hello. Hello. <laughs> A lovely little sound guy. <laughs> tea break. <laughs> you are so incredibly awkward. 
Okay, so having many jobs and many positions, it's not always trying to find the good managers, the bad managers. That has to be fun times as well. Do you have any funny stories that you would like to share with? Like to share is the question, isn't it, Jane? Yeah, that is the question. Oh, look, I've had a very interesting work career, which I've loved. Like, I, I still say I reckon my best job ever was working in a hot dog van out the front of a nightclub. Oh, that definitely would be. I was a vegetarian at the time too, so it was like I wasn't even eating the food, but it was, it was like... a hot dog? Absolutely not. <clears throat> you disgusting was, person. <laughs> it was kind of gross, yeah. There were some really gross people. But it was like bird watching, but with people. So it, it really taught me a lot about people because alcohol really strips away the inhibitions for humans and you really get to see them through a lens that they probably don't want you to most of the time. I used to make the rugby league uniforms at one point. So I worked in a sewing factory in Queensland. I used, we used to make the uniforms for the, who were they at the time? Uh, the Seagulls, Gold Coast Seagulls. I thought you meant you just were a big fan. No, no, just actually did it for reals. Oh, wow. And um, working in this factory, and, and we used to be young and drink a lot. And so not always quality work. But we also got free tickets to the games. And I remember going to one game with my friend, and watching as about half the team's shorts fell off because the <laughs> elastic wasn't done very well. And that was actually our job between the two of us, to do the elastic on the pants. So that was interesting. You should have yelled out, what's, what's them shorts? Who made them? That's shit. Yeah, it was just a big shame job for us. We're just sitting back in our seats going, oh, no. It did come up at work. news. <laughs> oh, it's so long ago now. I'm old. I don't know if we mentioned that at the start, but it's definitely a thing. Well, sorry, mate. I worked once at this, let's call it a, a fast food restaurant, and we had these little we had these little plastic cups that were full of sauces that you could dip your chips into. Um, and one time, I was going around the back, and it was a really sharp turn, and you had to say corners when you ran around it because obviously you can't see what's around the corner, and the dish where we did the dishes was right next to the corner so there was this one i think he was a manager at the time he was a manager and he was doing the dishes um as we all did we all shared it i came around the corner um put plates down and he thought he had picked up a piece of tomato to fling at me but it was one of the dips with dip in it and it went straight in my eye and like, <laughs> i thought i'd been shot i was just like what the fuck and then he was like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry it was meant to be a piece of tomato <laughs> you made me actually laugh out so i think that was like a really golden moment to see that manager uh for first of all doing the dishes which we all did when we first went in there um but then to for him to realize the mistake he had made straight away and to apologize to someone who had just started as well so i think like a manager straight like a bad manager would have been like well why didn't you say you're coming around the corner or like why did you put the tip? Why did you? Why are words so hard? Is that what he was going to say? Why are words so hard? Oh my god. Yeah. So I think that's important. It's what? It's important. It is. <laughs> when I think about it, Jerry, I think it's 
like age has taught me to be okay with my mistakes. I probably wasn't as good at that when I was younger, but now I'm very focused on almost celebrating the things that go wrong. So because you learn so much from what goes wrong. And that's a, it's a philosophy I raise my kids on, you know, you own your mistakes because that's where all the gold is. You know, you, people don't learn things by getting everything right. They learn by the things that don't go right. And that includes working for people who don't lead you, for managers, for people who, who you, use you for what you are being paid to do and offer you no opportunity to grow within your role. There's still an opportunity for you to grow within your role because mentally there's an opportunity there to understand people better. So one of the things I, I often think about when I when I think about how to lead things forward, I, I there was a time, so one of my first jobs, actually I think it was my first job, was working in a sandwich shop. And there was this woman who used to come in every day and she was always so cranky and rude to me like always like I she would but she would hang back and she would wait for me and it used to fill me with anxiety and actually make me really cranky because I was like why does she wait for me and then she's just like this real fucking bitch to me but then I when I was 18 I left the role and I was moving I was living in Tasmania at the time so I was moving to the mainland like the big smoke and so they had a bit of a farewell for me but this woman came in with a card and a box of chocolates and some flowers and the card basically said and I have to paraphrase because it's so long ago you were the light in my day every day for the last five years thank you so much I don't know how I would have got through it all without you and so I had a bit of a conversation with her so she'd lost her husband and um, her kids were estranged and she had been ill herself so she was going through all of this stuff and every day she would come in and I would serve her and it was my job to be nice so I was nice but I hated the interaction I hated it but what that taught me was you never know what's going on on the other side so your values have to be your values and you can't let someone else shape your decision so and that to me was probably one of the most important lessons for my working life which is I'm going to be who I am and fuck the lot of you you act however you want I'm not going to compromise myself for you and I think that with throughout my career that has served me really well yeah, I think a lot of young people have to realise that just because you enter a workplace at the bottom of the ladder doesn't mean you're the shit kicker. And it will take time, but eventually you will be gifted and recognised for the potential and for the work you have done. But even in the worst workplaces, you, you learn so much. Like, I've worked for some truly horrible workplaces, but I've come out of it better and stronger because I, it really cements either my own values or it gives me the opportunity to reflect on how I could have handled things better when they started to go bad. So, you know, like oftentimes it's, it's, it's about learning to act rather than react. So oftentimes, especially when you're young, people do stuff and you react to that. But as you get older, you learn to, well, not everyone, but I would hope I'm learning to hit the pause button and wait to think about an action that actually suits my values. It's not absolute. It doesn't happen every time, but I find every time it happens that way, the result is much, much better. So it's about learning to choose what you do next. I think one of the, I think I'm the actual complete opposite because outside of workplaces if you say something that's wrong i'm most likely going to call you for it but in workplaces i become this like little timid thing and as soon as someone says something wrong i'm just like yeah okay and why is that though i have no idea so it's, it's about you've got to value yourself so it doesn't matter what value an organization places on you you've got to value your own self and your contribution is important my grandma said to me when i was real young before i started work it doesn't matter what you do for a job do it better than anyone else would so 
it, it's that's how you have to look at the role. So it's about what you do, not who you're doing it for, but are you doing a job that makes you feel proud? And to do that and to do it with integrity, sometimes you've got to stand up for yourself. Also, when you were telling that story just then, you were like, yeah, I hated the interaction, didn't like it, she was horrible. She's probably at home being like, oh, this story's about me. And then she's like, oh, okay, she hated me. <laughs> Well, no, I'm pretty sure she'd be dead now. She was real old back then, and I'm real old now. But she changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. Kept that card, still got it. Reminds me to be true to myself, you know? Reminds me that it's not about... Like, people have shit going on that they won't tell you. Like, there's always this undercurrent of actual life shit happening in everybody's world. And so how they're acting might have nothing to do with you. But if you react to that, you're just adding to their shit. If you hold yourself true, then sometimes you'll make them feel better. Other times, all it does is protect you from acting like a jerk when you probably didn't need to. I remember a story about when I worked as a delivery guy. Not girl? No, that role was taken. (laughs) But... So we had this system where we would get our rosters and all of our scheduled shifts. Me and I think at least five other people weren't told about this. So we thought it was just a, you get called up, you come in, do a few deliveries, go home. Apparently not. So I get I get woken up, first of all, so fuck that. Um, phone call wakes me up and this person that is the manager of the day goes, hey, you're meant to be in, in like 10 minutes. Like, where are you? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was meant to be in. And he was like, oh, well, there's actually this um, app that you have to look at. And I was like, cool, didn't know about that. And he was like, okay, we'll talk about it when you get in. So I go in and he's like, oh, so you didn't know about it? And I was like, no, no one told me about it. And he dead ass looked me in the face and went, that's not a good enough excuse. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, it is though. And he was like, we would have emailed you about it. And I was like, no, didn't have a single email from this company and he was like well have you been checking them he was like that's like having a filing cabinet and not checking the files in your cabinet and i was like not really to be honest but then later in the day i found out that the same thing happened with one of the other people that didn't know about it but he just flat out didn't come in so he was already in an angry mood and then took it out on me and i got a warning for actually coming in yeah and that's definitely one of the things there's two things in that i reckon jerry so one is when, when you're in a management role, you can't take your shit out on other people, but lots of them do. You have to try and contain, and you have to contain for a number of reasons. So when you, when you get more, when you move up in, the, in your career, when you get more advanced, take more senior roles, you're responsible for containing a lot of things. So particularly in the not-for-profit space where I've worked for a long time. So we will have moments where funding is unsure and things like that. And so staff are really nervous because this is their livelihood and their jobs. A manager's role in that is to reassure staff without lying to them, is to protect staff from all their own anxiety around it and support them to continue to do their role until it all comes good. It's not to take that frustration and hand it down, but lots of managers do that. And all that happens is they their staff leave and when your staff leave you lose knowledge from an organization and that's really really tragic because people should only ever leave a job because they've got a better one you know like you shouldn't you if you've got staff leaving because they don't like the job there's something wrong with the way that you're framing it time for a new segment that i'm going to be adding to each week it is tips with our special guest this week our special guest is belinda so the tips will be how to be strong in the workplace 
Tip one, don't be a dick. Ooh. Tip two, know yourself. Ah. Tip three, be yourself. Ooh. And tip four, own your own shit. Oh my so with all the jobs you've had, how did you land in the one that you're in today? I applied for it. Oh, and thank you for joining us. This has been that random podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> but like, what was the process of once you had applied for it, you've gotten the job? So every job I've ever done has led me to the next job. Oh my God. So it's a, employment is a journey for me. So I'm not one of those people that will stay in a role their whole life and get long service leave. It's just not who I am. I go somewhere, I, I learn as much as I can, and then I look for the next opportunity to expand on that. And so, as I said before, my last few roles have been in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations. And I learnt in those roles, in dealing with non-Indigenous parts of Australian culture, that there was this real gap in how they framed the information that they had. So they, they, their knowledge was based on what you get taught in schools and you don't get taught in schools the true history of Australia. And so then they form all their ideas based on that. And that leads to a lot of disadvantage for Aboriginal people. So when this job came up, well, first of all, I, I rang up and asked to speak to the CEO before I applied. I said, because I wanted to know if it was a genuine opportunity to create change or if it was just another tokenistic kind of piece of shit. So I had a, I had a yarn with the CEO and basically he he is committed to creating change in the organisation and all of the pillars that were necessary for me, including money to undertake the role, which is often not there in these roles. It's like, here's the job, but there's no budget. And so all of those things were in place. And so I took the step from working in an Aboriginal organisation to working in a white organisation dealing with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander stuff. And it was very confronting. So for what one of the biggest lessons I got in the early days, like I almost... Well, I did. I kind of had a bit of a an anxiety attack, I guess is how I would describe it. So I was feeling really overwhelmed at the stark contrast in the culture of how dominant culture relates to each other as compared to how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people do. And I was talking to a couple of mates and they just said to me, you've got to be yourself. You can't try and match them. Make sure that you remain who you are because everyone that's learnt from you has learnt from you because you're you, not because you're trying to be someone else. And so that's how I've approached the role. I feel like I'm also very much the same. I hate to be in a job longer than I need to be. I think a lot of people stay too long. That's my experience. Like yeah, innovation comes from fresh and new. So innovation in an organisation doesn't come from people that have been there for a long time because they frame their work within limits so for me, one of, the, one of the worst words that you can use in reference to what you're trying to achieve is limitations. It's, I, I look at them as opportunities or obstacles, which means that they can be overcome. But the longer you stay in a role, the more limited you feel. So I stay only to the point in time that I start to feel limited and then I move on because I don't want to be a person that doesn't assist an organisation in doing what it sets out to do but also only ever try and work for organisations who meet my value set. Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing that people have to look. But also I feel like I personally stay in jobs until it's not fun anymore. Yeah, I've done that and I, I try not to do it now. Like that's one of my big learnings as I've got older is um, when you start waking up in the morning and going, oh shit, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, and I, and I would stay, for a long time I would stay maybe a year after that feeling. And then you stop, you stop realising or, or appreciating the value that the, the role has given you. 
and you just have resentment and that's never positive not for the people you work for and not for yourself i think it's also important to try in many fields because you never know what kind of job you might land in and what you might shine in like growing up i was always like oh i'm gonna be that theater kid that goes off to the city and does all this theater stuff but then i landed in childcare, and i love childcare. but then i grew out of that like i'd still do it if it was like gun to my head choose a life career for the rest of your life i'd choose childcare because it's just something that naturally is very easy for me because my sisters have many a kids so and they started having kids when i was young so i kind of grew up having to be like that not voice of authority but like the 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 grown-up in a group of young ones (laughs) it's the worst thing about being a grown-up is how you have to be a grown-up but i've had like some wild jobs like i worked at a nightclub which i only stayed for like a year because after a year i was like no fuck this no no way but you learn something everywhere so like i i mean i and i said it to my kids and i you only find out what you don't like by doing stuff you know what i mean so you you think oh maybe i won't like that job but maybe you will or maybe you'll like parts of that job and so then you get you take those parts and you look for a role that has those parts but not the bits you hated and eventually you evolve your career evolves over time i mean it's not for everyone some people like the stability of one role for a long time it's just not who i am as a person but i can't even do it when like studying for an exam i can't sit down for long periods and be like i'm going to focus on this one thing i just can't do it maybe i've got adhd who knows with that we might take a quick break go and make a cup of tea come back and we'll continue this podcast with another new section get excited Belinda yay hey there guys gals and non-binary pals it's Matt Young and I want you to listen to the Story Chunder podcast it's based on the live event where Brisbane storytellers tell true and sometimes embarrassing stories from their lives for the delight and approval of a live audience so listen in to the Story Chunder podcast I'll see you at the Chunder. Welcome back to That Random Podcast. This week I'm joined by my special guest, Belinda. Hey. If you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to smash that follow button and follow us on any social medias under That Random Podcast, except for on Instagram where it's that underscore random podcast. Some bitch out there already has That Random Podcast. And I want it it back. This is going to be an ongoing joke, and to me it's not a joke. I want it back. Anyway, new segment we have. Each week I'm going to allow my guests to give me a topic of their choice that I'm going to quiz them on. I'm going to title it, Know Your Shit. It's time for... Know Your Shit! Belinda, what is your topic? Marvel movies. That is marvellous. Question one. What does Tony Stark see which inspires him to colour his suit red? His hot rod. Question two. Who helps the Frost Giants to infiltrate Asgard during Thor's coronation? Loki. Question three. In which New York neighbourhood is the Stark Expo held? Flushing. True. Question four. What colour is the Collector's hair in Guardians of the Galaxy? We need an answer, Belinda. White. Correct. Question five. What does Harley help Tony Stark repair? The Iron Man suit, model 43. Oh, we're not giving out bonus points. So. And that was Guest Quiz with Belinda and the Marvel Universe. Back to our regular scheduled program with Belinda and the workplace. My next question for you, Belinda, is you've had a just 
Imagine this for a second. You've had a hard day at work. People have been testing you. You come home. How do you de-stress and unwind? Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's COVID, isn't it, Jerry? It's COVID. Okay, throw your mind back. So I've been working from home and walking out of my back room office into my lounge room for the past four months. So de-stressing. I'm also a mum with young kids. So de-stressing is kind of one of those luxury items you don't have, Jerry. What would you suggest then? Don't ask. Yeah. Don't. No. Let's. No. That's, That's... I sound really bitter and angry, and I kind of am. <laughs> so, can we not ask that question? <clears throat> Let me answer. Bubble bath. <laughs> bubble bath. When was the last time I had a bubble bath? You tell me. Foot massage. Yeah, all, all the kids come and sit on the floor and talk to me. Essential oils. So that was de-stressing. <laughs> <laughs> Just reminded me how sad my personal life is. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Shut up. No, I'm arguing with myself. Um, well, I don't know. How, how do I de-stress? I just do. I just live my I life. I just do un- undress. I love un- spending... Stress. Yeah, I get naked. Get <laughs> naked and just... I just walk around naked. Ball. That's how I de-stress. Okay, moving on from how to de-stress. Not a thing. <laughs> Looking forward into the future and not back what do you have planned next for your own journey in the workplace wow um I, i've never planned my career i i apply for jobs that excite me and i do those so i guess the next job i see that makes me feel like i'm going to learn something or do something different will be the job i go for i'm not a i've never planned my career so you could say the plan is no plan no plan keep it keep it chill keep it nonchalant Roll with the punches. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i doing a lot of board work at the moment, so I'd like to think that I could move into that more because yeah. I'm, you know, getting lazier, so that's less work. But then I'll probably just do more boards and work harder anyway, so that won't work. I don't know. Yeah, no, I just do what makes me happy. So before we go, is there anything else that you would like to say to touch back on topic of or anything that's just there that you want to get out? I think the tips again you know like you've got to trust yourself um and you've got to be yourself it's really just too much work to take on a work persona and then have your own self so be yourself always be yourself not everyone's going to be comfortable with that but that but everyone else isn't your problem your problem is are you doing the best job that you can do people will love no matter what you do as long as you do it with heart and i think that concludes this week's topic you've been an amazing guest thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge with us thanks jerry If you are enjoying this podcast, have enjoyed it, be sure to catch up every week with me and a random guest. That's why it's called The Random Podcast. And you can follow me on any social media platforms under That Random Podcast. This has been amazing, and I'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.